The conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter at jQuery and at Schultz975. This is Query and Schultz on Fox Sports 1260 Indy Sports Station. We're just getting the catalog ready, Derek, for when they blow us out and they've got to put on Christmas music for the rest of the year, right? Yeah, that's the spirit. Prepare to get fired. Bosses are here, and I'm just telling you. They might give us an award like they did last year. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you noticed, but I did a little bit of examination. That award we got for best live program uh, in the station. That's not what it was. Well, I looked at it, and I put it under a machine. There actually is whiteout over it. No. Originally, it said only. No, that's not what I'm it says. It says on-air personalities of the year, mm-hmm. Corian Schultz. Yeah, okay. Joining us on the Omnisource guest line, and I'm sure thrilled to be doing so, he is the writer for The Athletic. His name is Stephen Holder. And according to social media, he just left his meeting of the Jacoby Brissett fan club about a half an hour ago to join the program. You can read him on Twitter at Holder Stephen, or you can read him at the Athletic app or theathletic.com. And he also has the 1% Better podcast. Uh, Stephen, how are you? Happy holidays. Yeah, same to you guys. I'm doing well. I, You know, if you join the club, you get a, you get like a, a button. It gets pinned on your shirt. It's kind of cool. <laughs> it says, <laughs> the, the, the button is... Uh, Believing in Brissett, right? Look, here's the thing, I, and I get it. I'm a charter member, buddy. I, and I get this, Stephen. There is the perception that if you simply try to say, you know, let's look at things on an even keel, people that think that you – people that don't like Jacoby Brissett are going to read that and say – He's carrying Jacoby Brissett's water. And people that love Jacoby Brissett are going to read it and say he's too hard on Jacoby Brissett. You're kind of in a no-win situation. Having said that, I want you to tell me, and I know we have this conversation every week, where do you think stand, things stand right now? Because he does not have a lot of weapons around him at this point due to health, but the reality is part of playing position seemingly at quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts is to not have a lot of players around you. And maybe you need a guy that can mask that, is what I've been saying. Where do you think their critique stands now? Did we lose Steven? We were having a, a little bit of a... Ah, ah, gotcha. There Sorry. we go. There, there we go. go. Sorry about that, Steve. Go Hit ahead. Mute button. Hit the mute button. That's right. Um, so, yeah, listen, I, I think that there is... The one thing people have to remember is that the Colts, like every team like all 32 teams, they evaluate everybody, okay? Everybody is evaluated on a very, very strict basis. So whatever you see on Sunday from Jacoby Brissett that you don't like, okay, his coaches saw it too. So I want to be very clear about that. I mean, that's, that's something that people have to always, always remember. If, you know, you can rant and rave, you can be mad, you can be happy, you can love a guy, you can hate a guy. If, trust me, uh, his flaws are going to be are going to be put on – full exposure inside the walls of the facility, and they're going to be dealt with. So that's the first thing I'd say. Uh, and, and I say that really to say that whatever flaws you feel Jacoby Brissett has, well, yeah, his coaches are well aware of those things. They see them. And I think that's an important point. The other thing I would say is that at the same time, they knew coming into this that he had some flaws. And so their expectations for Jacoby were probably not uh, what they were Adam of, of Andrew Luck, nor should they be. And I think that uh, Frank Reich in particular and his staff, that they had they had a certain set of expectations for Jacoby. And I, I think that in many cases he has, he has reached those expectations that they had for him. So 
when you when you don't see Frank Reich maybe reacting the same way that a lot of fans are, that's why. I mean, I, I think the other thing is that this is his quarterback for right now. He knows it. And he's got a ride or die with Jacoby Brissett. I mean, Chad Kelly is not going to get the job, folks, in these last four games. That is not going to happen. What it's, if they – all in on, on Jacoby Brissett for right now. Steven, what if they – Hypothetically speaking, the Colts are what six and six, right? Yeah. Let's just say that they go to Tampa, they lose. They go to or they go to New Orleans, they lose. If they are mathematically eliminated from postseason play, is there any chance that, a la you know Josh Freeman from a couple years ago, that Chad Kelly gets reps in the final game strictly so they can see where he is? It's not out of the question, no. Uh, but not because of anything specific that I've heard about Chad Kelly or how they feel about Chad Kelly. Just, just the situation that you are that you are painting probably opens the possibility of that happening. That's the only reason. But as it relates to Jacoby and his future, here's something that I, I really want to impress upon people. And this has nothing to do with what I think. I'm telling you what I'm telling you where the Colts stand. Listen. If you are, if you're watching this team and you're frustrated with the play of Jacoby Brissett, that is fine. And and so I listen. I'm frustrated with what I see in many cases too. But however, I would caution people. And I would remind them the odds of someone else being under center week one of 2009. Excuse me, 2020. They're still minimal. I'm gonna tell you why. Okay. They're not going to go out and sign Cam Newton. I don't see a scenario where that happens or someone like that, right? Someone who is a, a veteran who has failed elsewhere and is being cast off. I mean, is that the Colts model? I don't think that's their model. I don't think that's their, what they envision for quarterback. Uh, could they draft someone? Absolutely. In fact, it's very possible that happens. Is that player going to be the, the week one starter, the unquestioned starter when he walks in the building? Very, very unlikely. So them, it could happen over a course of time, but to assume that someone else is a starter week one of 2020, I think people are setting themselves up for a lot of disappointment. I would leave open the possibility, a very strong possibility, that Jacoby Brissett opens 2020 as the starter. That doesn't mean he finishes it, but I'm just telling you, that's how this business works, and that's how, it, that's how quarterbacks progress. You're not going to find a guy, you're not going to find a lot of guys ready to roll week one who just got drafted in the NFL. That just doesn't typically happen unless you're a very, very early draft pick. So I'm just giving people a realistic look at this thing. And the other, the other thing to mention is that, again, I think Frank Reich still has a very high opinion of Jacoby Brissett. Where, what does that mean in the end? I don't know. I don't know how that impacts how this whole thing plays out. But Frank Reich still has a very strong belief in Jacoby Brissett. That I can tell you for a fact. So you've done a good job, Stephen, outlining the Colts' mindset along these lines and, and their evaluation, which I think we would agree is fluid and still ongoing with Jacoby Brissett. Right. But where are you personally at with him? Because you watch film. You've seen all of the games. Is there a franchise quarterback that can be developed of, over what Jacoby Brissett is? Because, you know, unlike some guys who are 22 years old, Brissett's going to be 27 later this month. He's got 30-plus starts under his belt. And I agree with some of those that say, look, if there was something really special there, wouldn't we have seen it by now? Yeah, listen, I see him for what he is. I see him as a, as a mid-level starter. And I think that's a pretty, you know, I guess widely held view of him. You know, does mid-level mean, 
you know, 14 or 15, or does it mean, you know, 2021? I don't know. You know, does that really matter? I don't know that that's even a, a conversation that's, that's worth our time. But the point is, yeah, I see him somewhere as a mid-level starter, a guy who is not going to single-handedly win you a Super Bowl. No, there's no question about that. I, I've never even suggested anything of the kind. I think that in the situation the Colts were in this year, having Jacoby Brissett at the ready is – a thousand times better than you would normally do in a situation uh, like they face with your quarterback retiring two weeks before the season. So they had they had an absolute best-case scenario, as best as you could hope, for the circumstances they face. Does that mean he's the quarterback here in two or three years? No, of course not. And I think the Colts got to figure that out. But, again, it boils down to more about what they can get and how ready uh, another quarterback might be as opposed to well, this guy's not the answer. Get rid of him. Well, it's not that simple. It just really isn't that simple. Uh, listen, I tell you all the time about how teams struggle. We talk about this from time to time, how teams struggle to find that quarterback. And I think that Colts fans, I'm sorry, they have a completely unrealistic view of what is the reality at quarterback in the NFL. I'm sorry to tell you. Listen, I, I can speak as an outsider. I'm not a native of Indianapolis. I have a very different viewpoint. What happened here is lightning striking twice, and that just doesn't happen. People better get their heads around that. That's all I'm saying. So do you believe, Stephen, you know, they get another year of Brissett. Contractually, they offered that to Brissett. Does Chris Ballard look for a quarterback within the first three rounds coming up in April? I think he looks, and it probably depends on, on what they can get. You know, it's not a, it's not a cut and dried answer. It, it's, you look, you evaluate, and then you determine the answer based on what your options are. Well, you know, obviously, we can't even begin to to assess what those options will be right now. We don't know where they're going to pick, and, and all of those things matter. But they do have ammunition if they wanted to trade up. They've they've almost never traded up in the draft. Uh, just about in any of the, the first two rounds, for sure. They they've not done a lot of trading up. They trade down almost routinely. So it would be a break from from what they've traditionally done. But I don't know. I think that they have to look. Yes, they have to look. And I know that they are looking. They are evaluating quarterbacks. They always evaluate quarterbacks. Even when Andrew Luck was under center, that was something that they routinely did. And I I just think that that's that's what good leadership does. You prepare for every situation. So, look, I, I think that it's on the table. But to sit here and to say, I think they're definitely going to do this or definitely not going to do that. I just, I don't know. I think it's fluid, as you said, and, and I think it's going to wholly depend on what their options are and what their evaluation is of those quarterbacks. Look, we might think that they are, are good options. We talked to Chris Ballard after the draft and asked him about a certain player, and he's like, yeah, that guy, that guy sucks. We never wanted him. <laughs> so you know, a lot of times the team's evaluation is, looks nothing like our evaluation. So those are the things you've got to consider. Stephen Holder of The Athletic joins us for our weekly chat, Omnisource guest on Omnisource, the best of Meadows Recycling. Stephen, we talked with you last week about Eric Ebron's future, and you don't believe that he'll be back. Uh, what about Devin Funches? Now that we know his season is over, he'll be a free agent as well. Does he give it a mulligan, or does he decide to move on maybe to a team with a more established quarterback than the one here? It's such a unique situation. I mean, the guy, was a, the guy came here to basically be a rental, a one-year rental, and then it's like, renting a car and then, you know, having a significant accident the second you pull off the, the lot, right? I mean, 
I don't know. I have no impression of Devin Funches because I have nothing to base that impression on. And to some extent, the Colts don't either. You know, I think he came here because Frank Reich needed a guy like that. You know, he needed sort of who would be his Alshon Jeffrey, if you will. You know, who a guy he had some success with in Philadelphia. I think that was going to be his role. A big, big target, someone you could definitely take advantage of in the red zone and then maybe third down situations. But we never got to see it. And I, here's my thing. I think that decision is going to be based on a couple of things. How do you assess the value of Devin Funches? Like, what do you even pay that guy this year? If you're the Colts or another team, for that matter, right? What do you pay him? I don't. I have no idea. Uh, it's a prove-it deal. It's going to be a prove-it deal after a prove-it deal. <laughs> so I don't know what that costs you. That's, that's the first thing. And then what is the landscape? What's in free agency? What's in the draft? I, I think the Colts are going to consider all their other options before they just sort of resign themselves to resigning Devin Funches. I, I think you have to because they were committed to him from the beginning. So are they going to be more committed now? No, of course not. And if, they, if anything, they're less committed because this was never intended to be a long-term option. So I, I'm interested to see how it plays out, but I don't necessarily feel great about the odds of Devin Funches being resigned. but I do think it could come cheap, and that may impact it. Stephen, Frank Reich touched on this yesterday. I wanted you to elaborate, and it was one of the things I don't think was talked about enough after the game. Jonathan Williams is coming off back-to-back really good performances. Why depart from that on Sunday? Okay, so that's a good question. So, you know, I watched the the coaches' film on Tuesday, so I've been doing that today a little bit. And I got to tell you, one of the things that I, I saw from watching some of Jonathan Williams was I don't see the same kind of burst from him that I see from the other running backs. He really does lack that sort of upper gear that even Jordan Wilkins has. I think Jordan Wilkins is a really decisive runner. And I think the bottom line is, uh, you know, Jonathan Williams got opportunities in that game. He had eight or nine carries, and he averaged, I think, around two yards per carry, even despite his longest run being 10 yards. I mean, that's amazing to me. So I I think it just got to a point where Frank Reich and his staff said, you know what, we're going with the other guy because – or the other guys, plural, because this guy is not producing right now. I don't think there's anything personal against Jonathan Williams. I don't think uh, it was a matter of them not giving him a fair shake. I think he got a chance. Uh, he didn't really make much happen, and they went with Jordan Wilkins. And Jordan Wilkins had a very healthy, robust uh, yard per carry average, around five yards. So I really can't take a, a lot of issue with the decision because Jonathan Williams, he just didn't really produce much when he was out there. Uh, there were quite a few negative runs when he was out there as well. And if you know anything about the Colts, I mean, that's just not their thing. They don't have a ton of negative runs, but they did with Jonathan Williams out there. So I just think, they saw enough, and they decided uh, they could do more with the other guys, and I think that was proven out over the course of the game. Stephen Holder is our guest from The Athletic. Stephen, I'm going to ask a question that you're probably going to laugh, and I overthink <laughs> things a lot. I'm an insomniac. I lay awake at 3 no, o'clock in the no, morning. No, no, no. I know, yeah, I know. That's crazy. That's <laughs> um, <laughs> it was obviously made public, I don't know, a week ago or so, that Andrew Luck and his wife, uh, that she gave birth to Andrew Luck, I believe a daughter, had a baby. Um, Lucy. And congratulations to them, right? One yep. thing I did not see reported, and you're going to laugh when I say it, and I realize there's privacy issues and things like that. I respect that. But do we know in what city the baby was born? I 
have not personally confirmed that. No, that's a good. That's a good question. I I don't know if it's a good question. It's an interesting question. Uh, <laughs> I I don't know the answer to that. I I do know. I've reported this before. I do know that they they built a house recently uh, on the west side near the near the Colts facility. In fact, they did build a house and. They had intentions of remaining here. Now, whether the baby was born here, whether uh, Nicole has family elsewhere and they decided to go there, maybe, you know, help her out. I mean, people do things like that, right? Sure. So, so that I can't comment on. Um, but I do know their intent has been to stay in greater Indianapolis. So that's about as much as I can comment on that. I don't know about where the baby was born specifically, but... Um, so I don't know if she has Indiana. I don't know if she has Indiana residency. I, I can't confirm that, but it's an interesting question. Well, and obviously you know why I ask it, just because you know you can read tea leaves any way you want. But in terms of just rooting a family, you know, if all of a sudden you, yeah, you find sure. out, well, you know, they had the baby in Santa Clara, you think, well, maybe the the idea of staying in Indy was more romantic than it turned out to be for them, and and they've gone elsewhere, but. For all the talk that we get, understandably so, about Peyton Manning and possibly someday working in the front office, etc., I don't personally think Andrew Luck's ever going to play again. Do you think Andrew Luck could ever work for the organization again? Uh, you know, I I think that is probably unlikely. I don't. I wouldn't rule it out. You say work, you mean in a non-player capacity? I, I assume. You Correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I I think like this is what I think. I think Andrew Luck. Being not consumed by football, which is certainly the case, I think that for him, he probably didn't necessarily see his future in football. You know, Andrew probably has seen his future. Just just knowing what I know of Andrew and, and knowing him personally, I, I see him as someone who, who saw himself as a, as a football player because that's what he was really good at at that particular time. He had an opportunity to be a franchise quarterback, I mean, who wouldn't want that, right? He loves football. But at the same time, he saw, he's always seen himself as, as much more than that because he is much more than that. He's very smart. He's multi-talented. And it would probably surprise me if, if his future was in football. I think his future is going to be one spent exploring all of those other opportunities he did not take advantage of because he was playing football. So I, I actually go the other way. I think he's going to get as far away from football as possible because he can indulge in all these other interests that he has uh, that are very, very real interests for him. And and football really would detract him from doing that. So I, I don't think his future is in football at all, personally. Last thing, Stephen, uh, another random question, but not as random as that one. Um, you covered <laughs> the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? Yes, I did. They haven't won a playoff game since winning that Super Bowl in 2002. Uh, why is it and, and it doesn't seem like they've ever been really bad they've just never been any good why is it that they've been stuck in neutral for all these years so i actually have a theory on that and it goes to our previous conversation they're one of their biggest issues even going back to, to the days of tony's era there one of their biggest issues has been quarterbacks okay james winston is the closest thing the bucks have had to a franchise quarterback since Doug freaking Williams. <laughs> okay? Think about that. Yeah. I, I mean, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about Bears-level uh, inability to find a long-term starting quarterback. There's nothing else. I mean, there's, no, there's a very few teams that have had that level of ineptitude. Some of it's ineptitude. Some of it was bad luck, whatever. But there was a lot of ineptitude, let me be clear. Uh, but, but there's – I mean, it's just how – 
how hard it is. And if you're if you're not good at if your organization hasn't been good at identifying players and identifying talent, and it becomes a, a tough job, becomes even tougher. And so that's I think a big reason for it. I mean, to be completely honest, they've had some talent there over the years, but uh, yeah, it just has been. I think just uh, an accumulation of things, but mostly uh, just a lack of continuity at quarterback. I mean, I covered different quarterbacks. It felt like every two years uh, for my eight years there. I mean, that's incredible. You know, and you just you can't win like that. I know we've argued whether you can win with Jacoby Brissett, and I get all that, and that's a, that's a very fair conversation. But but certainly organizationally, this has not been an issue in Indianapolis. There, it has been. Uh, really for the better part of 20 years. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable, and I think it has held them back as much as anything. No question about it. So which franchises, Stephen? Again, I don't know if you know this or not, but my I, I, I overthink things, and I just sit back and think. So you mentioned Jameis Winston and Doug Williams, and I love Doug Williams. He was the, those creamsicle jerseys. That was one of my favorite uh, football cards I had as a kid. How many franchises off the top of your head can you name that – their two most marquee or built around centerpiece quarterbacks of the last forty years are both African American. Hmm. Minnesota. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that's yeah, that might be. Cole Pepper and Cunningham wasn't Cunningham in Minnesota. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. That, I didn't even think of them until you mentioned them. But that that might be it. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I well, I was gonna say Philadelphia, but Carson Wentz probably throws that off. I mean. Yeah, you know, I mean Cunningham and who McNabb would be the other they, one? They had Cunningham. Vic finish runner-up for MVP that one year. Oh, McNabb, of course. Oh, McNabb yeah. too. Yeah. Right. Well, they had Vic, and then uh, who did they? They had one other. Um, who am I? Who am I? Another African American quarterback. Yes, they had one other one. Who I am don't I spacing? Remember, <laughs> but there's it's not a long list. That's for sure. It, it is interesting um, and, and funny, and and frankly, the Bucks actually botched the Doug Williams situation, too, because they let him walk. And so they didn't even see that through to the end. So, and he goes to Washington, and uh, obviously the rest is history. You know, you know what? Super Bowl and wins MVP. I was thinking of Vince Young got his final cup of coffee in Philly, but how about Tennessee with Vince Young and Steve McNair? Yeah, uh, certainly Vince didn't have the level of success, but I, but they definitely built around him because they, they saw him as a franchise guy, at least for – at least initially saw him as a franchise guy. I think that's fair. Minnesota, yeah. Minnesota is your winner, by the way, because they had three if you include Warren Moon. Okay? Yeah. And then, nice. And, nice. and then you throw in the old Chris Rock line, you throw in Kirby Puckett and Prince, and you now have gotten every African-American <laughs> in the state of Minnesota. Isn't that what Chris Rock said, Stephen? I believe that's so, yes. Yeah. I've been to, I have been to Minneapolis, and uh, I saw other black people, so uh, Chris Rock ain't right. He's wrong on that. Fair enough. <laughs> At Holder Steven on Twitter, The Athletic App, TheAthletic.com, 1% Better Podcast. Have a great homecoming in Tampa coming up this weekend, Steven. Thanks. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. That's Steven Holder. You know, Shannon went to Paisley Park. Good time of the year to be going down to Florida, by the way. Yeah, no question. Uh, Shannon went to Paisley Park, which is Prince's yeah. studio slash residence in Minneapolis. You can take a tour of it, mm-hmm. and you go from the first floor to the second floor, and she said you get on the elevator, and that you have to put your phone in a box. She's like, that's weird. And then you get off the elevator and they give you your phone back. And then she realized the elevator is where Prince died. So they don't want people taking pictures in the elevator. Oh, 
Which is totally what you would have done. You imagine what kind of wacko would take photos of where someone's passed away. 100% is what you would have done. Very strange. So you're going to do the thing where like your your thumb hovers over the photo button like, here you go, click. (laughs) That's brilliant. While you're in the box and just see. That is not a bad idea. That's pretty smart. Yeah. See? I like that. No respect for the dead. I'm just saying. I'm looking at a list here, Jake, of uh, starting quarterbacks – for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, here I can. You, can I run some off for you? And it is not. Uh, can pretty, I run my some man. off for you, Derek? It is not pretty. You want to start because you would have remembered the early teams. I wouldn't have been alive for when they they first came in the league. Doug Williams. Yep. Steve Deberg. Well, do you know who their first quarterback was? Seventy six. Ooh boy, uh, that was back when they had like Ricky Bell was their running back, I think, and John McKay was the head coach. I, or was it John Robinson? I think it was John McKay. Um, I, give me the initials. Their first quarterback was SS. Oh, Steve Spurrier. Yeah. Uh, Steve Spurrier, Doug Williams, Steve DeBerg had to be in there, right? Steve DeBerg for a couple of years. Yeah, 85, 86, 87. Um, Craig Erickson? Yeah, but you're missing an era. Think of the last. Vinny Testaverde. Yeah, Vinny Testaverde for a right. while there in the creamsicle era. Um, they drafted a guy, played there several years, ended up winning a Super Bowl with a different team. M- most of the 90s, he was their quarterback. He was the Bucks quarterback for most yeah, of the 90s? Yeah, and then he won a Super Bowl with somebody else as a starter. Late in his career, I take it? No, uh, not that late in his career. Uh, immediately after he left the Buccaneers. Oh, Steve Young. Uh, no, Trent Dilfer. But Steve Young's up there, yeah, right? Yeah, Steve Young is, is in there too. Steve Young. So that's three quarterbacks they've had that went on to win a Super Bowl elsewhere, right? Yep. Doug Williams, Sh- Sean Steve Young, King, Trent Dilfer. remember him? Sean King, I do remember. Um then obviously, into Brad Johnson. Obviously Brad Johnson, But yep. it's been ugly since then. Uh, Chris Sims, Brian Greasy, Bruce Gredkowski, Tim Rattay, Jeff Garcia, who they went to the playoffs with, Luke McCown, Byron Lefwich, which I don't remember at all. Do you remember Byron Lefwich starting games for the Buccaneers? Not really, but he kind of journeyed around there towards remember the Remember Josh end. Freeman? They had that one year where they were I like 10-6. Nice they were pretty good. Josh Freeman apparently... Uh, I thought he was big. I thought he had a strong arm. I thought he was a good player. Played at Kansas State. My understanding is Josh Freeman kind of had some backstory off-field issues. Oh, boy. Mike Glennon, who made himself a lot of money yep. in Chicago. Then Jameis and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Man. And there's basically your list. Josh Johnson had a start as well for them. Yeah, It's quite the list. Yeah. 239-1260. hour wings, etc. Trivia question comes your way next. Five o'clock hour, Jeff Rabjohns and Doug Bulls, both slated to join us. It's Corey and Schultz. They're talking Colts football all season long. You're listening to Corey and Schultz on Fox Sports 1260, Indy Sports Station. I'll have that Wings Etc. trivia question for you coming up here. Your chance for $100 Wings Etc. gift card. Eight minutes from now. For the next timeout. I've also got Purdue, Virginia tickets, extras to give away. And I was debating whether to do that through Twitter or on the air. You know, obviously we're reaching millions of people regardless yeah. of, of which platform I choose, but... Just kind of debating, going back and forth, whether it should be Twitter or... I don't know if we do enough Twitter giveaways. That's fair. Uh, college football playoff poll will be released tonight as well, so we'll have our eye and see where uh, 
things are going to shake out there. Uh, I think you said it right, Jake, that things are only really going to get interesting if Ohio State and LSU, either one or both of them, lose. Or if Clemson loses. Um, I think LSU and Ohio State might be locked in at this point. I agree. I think LSU absolutely is locked in. If Here's the bottom line. If Georgia beats LSU, the four teams don't change. Assuming Clemson, if Clemson were to win the ACC. Yeah, because Georgia's currently four. If Georgia loses and Utah wins the Pac-12, Utah's in. I agree with you because I think they want to put a West Coast would agree. team in. Or a it's West just a matter of in. who would be one, two, three, and four. I do think that like, if Georgia beats LSU, I think the problem there then, Derek, is that theoretically would put Ohio State at one. Mm-hmm. I think you then go Clemson two, Georgia three, LSU falls all the way to fourth, only because they don't want to have LSU and Georgia playing each other again two weeks later. In a two-three matchup. Right. Yeah. So they would mix it up, and Ohio State would play possibly LSU, and Clemson would get Georgia. Yeah, I, I hadn't really thought about that, but you're right. I mean, I think really it goes, if Georgia loses, Utah's next in line. If Utah loses, then Oklahoma's next Correct. in line. And after and, that, and, you're... And there's an absolute chaos scenario where if Wisconsin beat Ohio State and then literally everyone else lost, Georgia, Utah, and Oklahoma, or Baylor beat Oklahoma and everyone else, you know, something like that I, I think could create a... Uh, a situation where one of those teams still snuck in. Baylor has one loss, correct? Yeah. And who was it to? Oklahoma. So they would be making yeah. good on that one loss. I, I, I think... Wisconsin has two, unfortunately, for them, and one of them is glaring, the Illinois loss. I do think that whatever happens, at some point, Ohio State and Clemson are going to play in one of those two games. And I think Ohio State would beat Clemson. I don't think Ohio State's going to lose. I just I've, I've felt since September. I mean, they're unbelievable. Like September first, I felt like Ohio State is the best team in the country. Yeah, they're a machine. Uh, even when LSU was putting together the track record that they've put together, they're but really we'll keep strong. an eye on that. Also, uh, you get to see Indiana in their first test tonight against FSU. We've talked a little bit about that, and then Butler uh, at Ole Miss, Purdue, and Virginia tomorrow as the Big Ten ACC Challenge concludes. But it's nice to see Purdue finally get a marquee game in that thing. Yeah, they always got like... Indiana gets Duke and Carolina like every single year, and Purdue always ends up with like Virginia Tech or something, and you're just like, eh. So I'm glad that they got the defending champs. Purdue did draw Duke that one year. What was that, like 10 years ago where they played Duke at Mackey? I forgot about that. Wasn't that... That was the sophomore year, if I remember right, of Hummel, Moore, and Johnson. Didn't Chris Kramer play in that game? Yeah. Who am I thinking of that – who was it that had to guard Steph Curry? Chris Kramer. He shut yeah, him down. That was that's in, what I'm thinking of. I think that was in the winning classic that was here. That's Dave, right. Davidson played Purdue and in Indy, and Chris Kramer held Steph Curry to like 3 of 18 shooting or something. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. That was a fun group. They were great. Because as much as people talk about that big three with Hummel, Moore, and Johnson, uh, Kramer, Keaton Grant was a good player. Was a good player. Um, that was a, that was a good team. That that 
you know, won the Big Ten. They won the Big Ten tournament. The only time Purdue's ever done that. Was Lewis Jackson their point guard? Uh, yeah, Lewis Jackson. I, I don't think Lewis Jackson was on the 08 or 09 teams. I think Jackson was on the 10 and 11 teams. I'll go back to look to be absolutely sure. But Jackson, I want to say, was at least a class lower, if not two classes younger than the Hummelmore Johnson Martin group. I just know that he was called Lou Jack on the regular, right? And his shorts were to his ankles. Really? That, that was like the last era of really baggy shorts, I think. Uh, he ran into some post-Purdue issues. I think no? that's right. I, no, I think you're correct. Like he may or may not be in jail right now, I think, if I'm no, not mistaken, yeah, Lewis Jackson. Correct. I think that's correct. Is he in jail? Can you look it up? Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. That he was okay. The, no, so he was on the 08 and 09 team. So he was part. Of, why was I thinking that he was younger than them? So he was part of that freshman class, the Baby Boilers. Wow. Uh, sorry, I I don't know how I spaced that. Now he he ran a side business, right? After his playing days. Um. Yeah. Let me look here. There's actually nothing in his Wikipedia page about. Um, well, and we know, Derek, Wikipedia is. Is usually all-knowing, right. yeah. Uh, former Purdue star pleads not guilty to drug charges, and this is from 2017. Possession of heroin with intent to deliver. That's typically frowned upon, yes. Making County Sheriff's Office deputies allege they found more than 70 grams of heroin to Xanax pills and four grams of marijuana in a book bag in Jackson's car. Hmm. It's too bad. I don't really care about the marijuana, but if you've got 70 grams of heroin, that's probably pretty serious. Uh, hey, Jake. We were talking about quarterbacks earlier, Derek. African-American quarterbacks. Warren Moon played for the Oilers, who were also the Titans, so you can link him with McNair and Vince Young. He played for the Seahawks, so he's linked to Russell Wilson. And he played for the Vikings, so he's linked to Cole Pepper, Teddy Bridgewater. I forgot about Teddy Bridgewater. And Randall Cunningham. Wow. For that matter, the Saints, Teddy Bridgewater and Aaron Brooks, even though neither one was it a focal point. It is kind of neat in the sense that even like 15 years ago, it was still kind of a big deal Correct. to be like, oh, wow. It's and, a, now it's, and now it's like, who cares? I mean – the MVP of the league again, probably. Yeah. Some of the best quarterbacks in the league, Russ, Lamar Jackson, and Pat Mahomes are three of the yeah. top five African-American quarterbacks. Right. Yeah, it's it's not the anomaly it once no. was, for sure. It's not, yeah, it's, it's not even, you don't even really think about it anymore. 239-1260. Uh, wings, etc. trivia question time right now. Your chance this is a good for one. $100 to Wings, etc. You can use them in any one of their eight Indy area locations. Our personal favorite over on the east side, 14th and Shavlin. The Colts are playing the Buccaneers on Sunday. After moving to Indianapolis, they haven't played them very often. You know, AFC, NFC. The Colts won each of their first three meetings with Tampa Bay, including their first game, which was a win in Tampa. Who scored the first ever Indianapolis Colts touchdown against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? 
239-1260. If you have that answer, you get $100 to wins, etc. We'll come back with the answer. Rerack the big headlines of the day next. It's Corey and Schultz. Hey, it's Schultz for my very, very good friends at the FanDuel Sportsbook app, which is officially live now in Indiana, so you can bet money line spreads, parlays, props, and more on every game from anywhere in the state. FanDuel Sportsbook, to get you involved, if you haven't hopped aboard already, you're missing out. They're offering you a free, risk-free bet worth up to $500 when you sign up with promo code WNDE. That means if you lose your first bet, FanDuel will give you a refund and site credit. And if you're thinking of using that risk-free bet, maybe you take a look at the Colts getting three points going to Tampa Bay if you think that they can still turn their season around. Can't get any worse, right? Maybe you look at some of the college basketball tonight. Indiana, a slight home favorite against Florida State. Butler undefeated going to Ole Miss. I mean, check the point spread on that. I'm going to have to look at that. Anything and everything is available to you on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. And don't forget, you can bet on those games or any game risk-free. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app or visit FanDuel.com sportsbook. Claim that risk-free bet with promo code WNDE. That's promo code WNDE. First online wager only. Refund issued to site credit. Terms apply. Must be at least 21. For help with a gambling problem, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. If you listen closely, you might hear them yelling at each other during the commercial break. This is Quarian Schultz on Fox Sports 1260 Indy Sports Station. Do we have a rogue chipmunk again, Derek? Hello? What? Hello? Are we here? Are you you in there clapping? (laughs) Yeah. Do we know what happened there? We had an, an event during the commercial break there. Where the lights flickered multiple times. Yeah, that was weird. My silent alarm went off. Said that the station was off, so I'm not sure. If you're listening to us on the stream, chances are nothing happened. But if you're listening to us on AM, which I know we you know, have hundreds of thousands of yeah. listeners on there. Then um, it shouldn't sound any different to you. You may have heard a little bit of an interruption there. But we want to make sure that the sound is just as crystal clear as what you're used to on AM radio. <laughs> so hopefully that's still the case. Uh-huh. Tweet us at Schultz975 at jQuery if that's not the case. And we'll work to alleviate that problem for you. Fair enough. Uh, did you get an answer? I did, yeah. Congratulations to Greg, the winner of our $100 Wings Etc. trivia question. After moving to Indianapolis, the Colts won each of their first three meetings with the Buccaneers, including their first game, which was in Tampa. Who scored the first ever Indianapolis Colts touchdown against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Happened in the 1985 season, December of 85, a battle of two crappy teams, a two-win Bucks team and a three-win Colts team, and George Wansley... Scored the first touchdown. Albert Bentley scored in that game as well. Uh, Wansley also uh, scored a, an additional touchdown later in the game when I, I believe it was thrown to him by Bentley. Really? Yeah, and Greg remembered that. You know what they used to say when Eric Dickerson was late in his career and skulking, or, or sulking, sorry, not skulking, sulking? What's that? Park the, uh, park the rolls and break out the Bentley. Because Albert Bentley was a good player, and he was an underrated player. Uh, he was a really nice player for a long time for the Colts. And he had a devastating injury in Miami that unfortunately there was kind of no going back from that. But he was a nice player. If you're just joining us, uh, re-racking the headlines of the day, Colts QB3 Chad Kelly sued for an assault that allegedly took place in October of 2018. While he was a member of the Denver Broncos, it was the same night that he was arrested for second-degree criminal trespass as he was drunk and allegedly 
broke into a house that wasn't his. Uh, a photographer slash videographer who was at Von Miller's Halloween party says that Chad Kelly broke his nose and it's required four surgeries. Also, Kelly broke his $14,000 camera. So he's suing for an unspecified amount to address those losses. Pacers get seven players in double figures. Crews past the Grizzlies 117-104 in Memphis, second game of their road trip. The Hoosiers get their first real test of the season as number 17 FSU comes calling to the Assembly Hall, 9 o'clock tip tonight. Butler on the road taking on Ole Miss. They've got a pair of SEC games this week. Ole Miss tonight and then Florida at Hinkle on Saturday. And the Seahawks move into first place in the NFC West, 10-2 now after holding off the fight in Kirk Cousins' 37-30 last night on Monday Night Football. Kirk Cousins as a starting quarterback now 0-8 on Monday Night Football, Derek. And Ron Rivera out as Panthers head coach. That actually broke during the first hour of the show. That's a – the Ron Rivera firing, I, you know, I don't think it's overly shocking other than the timing of it. You know, why do you do it now? I mean, he's been, that's been rumored forever, right? Yeah, I do think, Jake, that sometimes it's not that somebody is doing a, a good or a bad job. It's just time to move on. You need a new voice. You need something to be fresh. You know, I'll say this, and, and this was not a popular take among people who didn't like this person. Tom Crean didn't do a bad job at Indiana. It was just time to move on. It was time for Indiana to move on. It was time for Tom Crean to move on. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes a coach just reaches his expiration date. And maybe in Carolina, look, I don't know that situation as intimately as I do, you know, the Colts or Pacers or some of that stuff that we cover every day. But maybe they just felt like it was time that his expiration date has come and they want to move on. It is just a little bit odd that there's four weeks left in the season and you decide to make that move now. Like, generally, in-season firings are for guys that are incompetent. Yeah. Or just... I don't know. Or no-brainers. You know, you know, absolutely he's gone, whereas I, I didn't even realize that Ron Rivera was being talked about as being on the chopping block. Oh, I mean, he has been in the past a million times. Oh, right? I know that, but I, I didn't remember reading anything or seeing anything. Not that I know everything there is to know about the Carolina Panthers, but seeing anything this season. 239-1260, let's welcome on our buddy Pacer Steve on line one before we hop into the 5 o'clock hour. Hi, Steve. Hello. Hey, real quick, I got a couple things. One, Pacers are, are the uh, Colts quarterback issues. I have a possible solution. I think they should look at Miles Turner, chiefly because he's very adept at avoiding contact. You know, I Steve, let me give you a theory, and I want you to tell me if you think it makes any sense at all, okay? Sure. You've obviously been a Pacer fan for a while, right? Uh, 25 years. Okay. Do you remember Derek McKee? Oh, yes. Great, great player. He was a very good player. I mean, yes, great player. And he was multidimensional. He was a really good passer. He wasn't an offensive-minded guy, aggressively speaking. He could hit a, an open-range jumper if, it, if he had to. He was on the floor because he was such a key for them defensively, and everything that they wanted to do defensively kind of ran through him, and he was an intangibles guy. And I totally get that because of his size, you would expect that Miles Turner should be more of a physical presence or certainly offensively more of a low-block guy instead of a rainbow-arcing three-point shooter, and that does drive me crazy. But I think that he's like Derek McKee in the fact that his – 
existence on the floor is based on being a glue defensive guy that everything runs through. I, 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 don't, I, I don't agree. The Pacers are 7-5 and five in games where Sabonis and Turner have played together. All of Sabonis' numbers are down this year. And I've watched several games. The one that comes to mind is the Charlotte game where we had a 15-point lead, and we went about trading uh, twos for threes, twos for threes, twos for threes until they caught up. Right now, the Pacers are 29th in the league in threes attempted and threes made. You cannot survive in this league being last in the league in threes attempted and threes made. And I just don't see where the defensive trade-off is worth it. The, the, Miles Turner has scored in single digits in, in three of his last five games. And the two games where he scored in double digits, Atlanta and, uh, and, and Memphis, we would have won had he stayed in the locker room. I just feel like that's $20 million lying there fallow that's not justified by three three blocks a game, and, and, and we have other people that can play defense. I think this team desperately needs to take that $20 million, go out and spend $15 million of it on a sharpshooter, and the other five that's left over, find a David West veteran power forward that's in the last two or three years of his life on the, in the league, but nevertheless is still playing up to, up to snuff, because there's guys out there for five or six million a year would, would serve a David West role. I think Miles Turner has reached his ceiling and he's actually he's regressing from his ceiling. He's he's holding back the team, and I'm I'm not being it's not hyperbole. It's honest to God's truth. Any any analysis of his role in this team, he doesn't have a position, and he's not playing well, and he's not going to. He is not going to get better. Okay. Again, I get what you're saying, um, and I'm not saying that. You can disagree as to how effective his defense is, but I'm just simply saying I don't think that it's disputable that the reason he's on the floor is because of what they generate from him defensively, and the Pacers' defense is what wins them games as much as their balance offense does. He's only had something like a dozen games together with Sabonis uh, so far this season, which... Maybe they feel like they need more of a sample size. You know what hurts Turner, Jake, is Sabonis' role has expanded and he's flourished. Correct. And so people see that. They see that Domas is having this career year and really exploding, and then they're thinking to themselves, well, what's the deal? Why aren't we getting this with Turner? I'm not going to defend his play this year because I think he's had he's off to a disappointing start. Um, but I tried to approach this with a – open mind sample size type thing and I, I want to give it I, I'm I have never really been optimistic that this whole thing was going to work out with him and Sabonis I'm trying to be this is a lot like the Brissett situation for me I went in pretty sure that I had an idea of who Brissett was and it turns out that Brissett very likely is that guy I went into this thinking that this Sabonis-Turner thing wasn't going to work and one of them was going to be traded. And with the way Sabonis has played so far, he can't be the one that you trade. And with each passing day, I feel stronger about that. But I I want to give it a little bit more time to kind of play out here because, if anything, I've been a pretty staunch Miles Turner defender over the years. I just think that now that you've already invested in Sabonis, you need this pairing to work. And if it doesn't work, then if Turner's just in there and he doesn't have a real fit and he jams things up, then 
move on to something else. It's still a very manageable contract. I don't know why people act like Turner's contract is some albatross. Miles Turner's being paid what he's worth. Right, Look around the fair. NBA right now. Uh, hey, Jake, what happened to you guys on iHeart? You went silent. iHeart says the station's not available. <laughs> oh, boy. That's a shocker. Well, the folks from Louisville are here, so. Yeah. Do they know that they know we're here, right? Uh, I think so. I think uh, Mike saw my uh, Michael saw my Hyundai. So. By the way, can you do me a favor, Derek? I'm not seeing whether or not any of our, um, you know, that link you sent me to check on uh, pay materials. Yeah, I don't know if this is appropriate to talk right. over there. I'll come in and help you. Do with they, that. Would that be up yet for the next? No. Okay. It usually doesn't appear until the week of. So anything that's been submitted gotcha. for the next pay period is okay. probably going to be the week of, but it's really not appropriate to be talking about those sort of things over the airwaves, Jack. <laughs> Derek, no one's you hearing can, You us. can ask me about that privately. Are we on the airwaves? Do we know that? Look, if you're unhappy with your compensation, take it up with HR. I don't know how you would be because I saw have... your W-2 from a couple of years ago, and it's actually obscene the amount of compensation. It's easier to find my W-2 than it is to find HR. I almost walked out. <laughs> It was 2014. I almost left. It was almost exactly five years ago. If you are listening to this program right now. No, don't do this. No, I, It's I, sad. Uh, 317-523-9288. Now, that's my cell number. I like when people text me, but but I'd like to know. Get ready for your phone to get flooded. Simply, yeah. Derek, I'll get 10 messages. Your phone's going to reset. 523-9288. And let me know if you're listening on radio or iHeart. Five two three nine. Seriously, let us know if the iHeart isn't right. working because we do want to know that. But I haven't been alerted of that. We did have like a brief power surge about twenty minutes ago, so that it might be related to that. Okay, sixty then, seconds from now, and then people call me. We'll talk about the, the Chad Kelly situation. Number. Also, Jeff I can't answer five one eight. I'm on the air talking IU hoops and football with us. Quarter after the hour, it's Corey and Schultz, Fox Sports twelve sixty.